Welcome back to the Naked Truth. Peace to you. We are in the book of Deuteronomy, fifth book in the Bible. We're up to chapter 32. If you want to read along with me, let's begin with verse 1. Give ear, O heavens, and I will speak, and hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. So if you're using a New King James Version Bible like I'm using, the red letter edition, then first um, you'll see there's like a header that was added for clarity to... Um, by the authors of the book to let us know what this section is about. This chapter is, uh, at least this part of it, is called the Song of Moses. So it's not like a song where you might think of a song with rhyming lyrics. Um, it doesn't sound like a song anyone would want to sing, but it seems more like it's um, like the Song of Solomon, that ch that um, book in the Bible. It's not um, lyrical or poetic, it's just collection of that person's words and thoughts on something so this is basically Moses um, telling the people about um, giving them uh, what we'll see it's Moses speaking and he's now um, basically about to give an, uh, or, uh, an oratory an or he's about to speak to them about where they've been and where they're going and what's going to be happening to them after he's gone verse 2 uh, let my teaching dream, let my teaching drop as the rain, my speech distill as the dew, as rain drops on the tender herb, and as showers on the grass. So, I, I guess that is sort of poetic. He's saying, uh, receive his words just like the grass receives the dew. It, um, it's heavy for that little blade of grass, and yet it doesn't weigh the grass down. It helps the grass to grow and live. Verse 3, for I proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God. So, let me see if Lord is still being translated from the word Jehovah. Um, looks like my connection is slow tonight. So, I'm going to just assume it is, because that's late uh, of the last few chapters. That's what the word Lord in all capitals has been translated um the name it's been translated from and um pray for me this has been a strange friday i got three flat tires today and then just before i went to bed well not even before i went to bed before we before i'm reading this our complex lost power just all of a sudden her pow 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 and then the power was gone but thank god it's back on now and wasn't off that long but it's been a strange strange day uh, verse 3, for I proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God. So Moses um, is saying the message he's giving is from the Lord, basically, give God the glory. Verse 4, and before we go on, and that contradicts, well, he didn't really say it, so I won't say he contradicts it, but if you've read with me before, you know that much of the rest of the Bible contradicts what the gospel says that no one's heard God's voice or seen his form so how Moses is getting these messages is unclear verse 4 he is the rock his work is perfect for all his ways are justice a God of truth and without injustice righteous and upright is he so now it seems like Moses is basically buttering up the Lord and giving praise um Almighty God is probably those things. I mean, the God I consider to be God Almighty is a God of truth and without injustice. But the 
entity, the deity that the Old Testament is calling God, and that the the books are uh, that the books we've read here so far that are attributed to Moses are calling God doesn't seem like that's an unjust God, an unjust God at all. Actually, um, the stuff about rape, the stuff about slavery, just uh, and all the constant. Um, not even constant, but continually changing food laws is just completely inconsistent. That doesn't seem like a God Almighty who would um, set something in stone and let it stay that way if it keeps changing. Not to mention all those other things that are totally unjust. But um, again, it's how it reads. So let's keep reading. Verse 5. They've corrupted themselves. They're not his children because of their blemish of perverse and crooked generation so not sure what blemish it is that Moses is referring to here we know that according to Deuteronomy of you know these first five books of the Bible um, you're not allowed to get tattoos so I'm not that I doubt that's the blemish it's talking about or at least they weren't allowed to get tattoos Um, but so I'm not sure what the blemish is that he's referring to but he's saying um, perverse and crooked they are unless that's a prophecy of what the congregation will become verse 6 do you thus deal with the Lord of O foolish and unwise people is he not your father who brought you has he not made you I'm sorry who bought you has he not made you and established you uh, so when it says he who bought you um who would the Lord have bought them from and I don't know that seems strange thing to say um, but he's calling the people foolish and unwise uh, probably for their unfaithfulness but and remember this is sort of a prophecy because this is picking up where chapter 31 left off where Moses basically tells the people that he's going to give them a prophecy of the way they're going to become and how corrupt they'll become after he's dead verse 7 remember the days of old consider the years of many generations ask your father and he will show you your elders and they will tell you so Moses is telling the people to remember think back the um, wilderness years the different trials the plagues the rescues the Red Sea remember all that stuff don't forget it and don't forget they were enslaved people also Verse 8, when the Most High divided their inheritance to the nations, when he separated the sons of Adam, he set the boundaries of the peoples according to the number of the children of Israel. So, I mean, that doesn't make sense. When he, he's saying when he separated the sons of Adam, Adam had the two sons, Cain, well, three, Cain, Abel, and Seth, if I remember, is the third one. Um... The children of Israel didn't exist yet, but so maybe uh, maybe Moses is saying that uh, with foresight, the Lord divided up the uh, land for those nations. But if that's the case, then why would the people now have to go back to where they were before? Why would they have to go back and go to war to get a land if it was already set apart for them and they spent 400 years or... They spent 400 years in a whole other land, and much of that time, at least part of that time, as enslaved people. Um, but it's, let's keep reading. Verse 9, for the Lord's portion 
is his people. Jacob is the place of his inheritance. So, um, Moses seems to be saying that um, the special people of the Lord are the children of Israel. Jacob is another name for Israel because that's the patriarch of uh, the people and the religion. Um, and he had, he got that name change. That's who Jacob is that's being referred to here. Um, let's see, verse 10. He found him in a desert land and in, a, in the wasteland, a howling wilderness. He encircled him. He instructed him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. So um, we read through those narratives and the forefathers, the patriarchs, didn't seem all that righteous, definitely didn't seem all that brave or courageous, um, and sometimes not even faithful. So it's not real clear what it is about them that um, the Lord chose to, um, or, or was so um, smitten by that he chose them, but it is how it reads. Verse 11. As an eagle stirs up its nest, hovers over its young, spreading out its wings, taking them up, carrying them on its wings. So Moses is talking about how birds relate to their own children um, and take care of them and, you know, shepherd them. Verse 12. So the Lord alone led him, and there was no foreign God with him. So, um, no other former no foreign god with him is kind of a strange statement since we in the narrative we read when um jacob was on his way on during his journeys he had several wives side pieces uh enslaved women that were um uh his baby mamas and at least one of them, his favorite one, if I remember right, Rachel, had a foreign god, had an idol that she kept with her during the journey. And again, it wasn't condemned at all by the Lord at that time. Uh, neither was she. She was one of the first to die after that. But at no time in the story was she condemned for that. Uh, verse 13, he made him ride in the heights of the earth that he might eat the produce of the fields. He made him draw honey from the rock and oil from the flinty rock. So I don't remember reading those stories of being able to get honey out of a rock or oil out of a rock. We did read where water sprang up out of a rock to help um, along the way at least twice. Um, but I don't remember anything about the honey or um, oil. But you know, maybe it's just something that didn't make it into the story. Verse 14, curds from the cattle and milk of the flock with fat of lambs and rams of the breed of Bashan and goats with the choicest wheat and you drank wine, the blood of the grapes. So it sounds like Moses is basically saying how generous the Lord has been in providing for the people um, along the way. Verse 15, Majesharan grew fat and kicked. She grew fat, you grew thick you're obese <laughs> then he forsook God who made him and scornfully esteemed the rock of his salvation so Moses is saying the people got too big for their britches they got comfortable they got fat in their prosperity and got unfaithful to the one who got them that way who carried them that far is what he's saying 
they turned on the Lord. And when it says Jeshurun, that seemed, that's sort of a nickname for the people, the children of Israel, Jerusalem, um, the Israelites. Verse 16, and the Israelites at this time, not in current modern times, but the people um, who have gone through the emancipation and on their way to the promised land, not necessarily the descendants. Um, although, if this is prophecy, it's not just talking about the people who went through the emancipation, but future generations, the ones who would reject um, the deity they call Lord. Verse 16, they provoked him with, to jealousy with foreign gods. With abominations, they provoked him to anger. So um, the foreign gods and abominations, um, those idols are considered abominations, meaning they're um, no bueno, they're not good in the Lord's sight. Um, and yet, again, we read where, of course, if you believe the narrative, the Lord told Moses to make a, a, an image, a, an idol for the people to look to for help, rather than apparently keep nagging the Lord with it, told them to just go to the snake on a pole and look to that when they want to be rescued from the snake bites they were incurring. Um, so a little contradictory there on about no foreign god, because that same snake was still worshipped throughout the Old Testament up until, I can't remember which book it is, but um, if you do a search on the site I'm using, blueletterbible.org, or if you just know yourself, you can look and see that the snake was so worshipped, the snake on a pole was so worshipped, not only is it on ambulances and hospitals in modern times, it also got a name in the Bible, Nehushtan, or um, in um, the Greek, the same symbol seems to be called Selpius. So that has to be considered an idol, or at least, the very least, a molded image, since it was cast bronze to make it, according to the story, and ordered by the Lord. So why would that? That's inconsistent, that's all I'll say. Verse 17, they sacrificed to demons, not to God, to gods they did not know to new gods, new arrivals that your fathers did not fear. So it does sound like he's going into prophecy and this chapter is definitely talking about prophecy in this verse because um, he's reflecting back on the forefathers to, but about a people who have already become unfaithful and turned aside to other religions in modern plain English verse 18 of the rock who begot you you're unmindful and have forgotten the God who fathered you so um, Moses is going off on them for choosing other religions and forsaking the religion that was their strength in the wilderness years uh, or at least the very least their strength to escape enslavement Verse 19, and when the Lord saw it, he spurned them because of the provocation of his sons and his daughters. So it is prophecy, and it's saying that, and now it is written as prophecy that Moses is prophesying this to the people. But like I said before, some of this reads more like 2020 hindsight, like someone who most likely during one of the captivities in Assyria or Babylon 
is attributing all the hardships that the people went through to their unfaithfulness to the religion and this whoever wrote this this chapter in Deuteronomy is sort of doing that um looking back and accounting for all the different hard times they've fallen on being attributed to them being unfaithful so it could be and I think that's what it is but if it's not that if it is actually as it's written then it's Moses giving prophecy that the people are going to fall away and um, at some point from the religion and in that falling away they're going to reap a whole lot of evil from the Lord verse 20 and he said I will hide my face from them I will see what their and what their end will be for they are a perverse generation children in whom is no faith so if um if it's prophecy the people are going to get to a point where they're faithless and um perverse according to this um chapter and it could mean perverse like you may think of sexual perversion but almost certainly it means perverting or changing in a negative way in a deceitful way what the religion is and i think that's probably more accurate or that's probably the more uh accurate description of what he means in perverseness there because remember the ten commandments were the only thing written on those ten on those two stones that moses originally came down the mountain with and yet somehow it's gotten stretched to all of this other religion of um dogma of ordinances and statutes and um besides the laws and um all the different things that they have to uh cough up for that religion as far as animal sacrifices flower sacrifices offerings and all kinds of things that what use does the lord have for them it's more like what use the religion has for them and more specifically the elite um people members of the religion who heard the people along with their teaching but uh, the teaching it turns out is according to moses perversion and it's perversion again because it's not the ten commandments it's all a whole lot of other stuff burdens hard to bear according to jesus that they themselves won't touch with one finger but they will lay it on your shoulders and tell you you have to abide by it verse 21 they provoke me to jealousy by what is not god they've moved me to anger by their foolish idols but i will provoke them to jealousy by those who are not a nation i will move them to anger by a foolish nation so it sounds like uh, the lord is going to do an eye for an eye tooth for tooth with the people for their being unfaithful they're going to be led into unfaithfulness um for their taking up idols they're going to end up going to a place where they have to worship idols so it's it's sort of like with um like i said again and again with american politics if only people would be able to just get what it is they keep saying they want if right-wing conserv so-called conservative people really believe what they say then that's what they should get they shouldn't be entitled to any government subsidies and those subsidies include all kinds of welfare like the VA benefits VA benefits like GI bills uh that black people were cheated out of even after serving in the world war um other things like social security that's welfare that's subsidized other things like obamacare welfare subsidized it's med medicaid 
Medicare, all those different things um, that people get are government welfare. They're subsidized, paid for by the government in plain English. And so if people really believe they want smaller government, that's what they should get. They should they should get that with a smile on your face. You should give it to them so that they'll quickly see the error of their ways and change. But as long as you let them keep saying one thing and yet still be enriched um, from the system they keep crying out against, then what incentive is there to change? It's just like police brutality. What incentive is there for the police to change their ways if they don't have to pay for it, if they still get suspended with pay or leave with pay or their pensions or don't face any jail time or get whole uh, precincts to help cover for their obvious crimes? Why would they change if there's no penalty for it, if there's no punishment for it? like there would be for anyone else doing those things what incentive would there be to change um but the lord ain't having it the lord is saying oh well you want to stray i'll let you stray so that's exactly what should happen and that's what the people if they were being authentic and not hypocrites then that's what they would call for too and then quickly their following would drop like a hot potato because people would then be like oh well you know okay and they change their minds, but as long as you let them have it both ways, then why would they change? And I think it's intentionally that way, so that nothing will change, so that the corruption can continue. Verse 22, For a fire is kindled in my anger, and shall burn to the lowest hell. It shall consume the earth with her increase, and set on fire the foundations of the mountains. So that prophecy sounds like climate change. Like, in exchange for the wickedness of mankind, for the unfaithfulness and perversion of changing what those original Ten Commandments said into some monstrous thing that people avoid, dread, and fall away from. In exchange for that, unfortunately, the earth, it sounds like, is going to have to pay for it. Um, yeah, and we know again from John 3.16 God loves the world, not necessarily the people. It's the world that God loves. So for the world, for the earth to have to pay for that, and um, because of human actions, uh, it's got to be a tough decision for the Lord to have to come up with if you're going to believe this prophecy, if that's what it means. And then that part about to the lowest hell, um, I didn't know there was more than one Um but there obviously could be I don't know I've never been there don't want to be there so um, I don't know but it's saying to the lowest though and um, that doesn't sound good it could just mean uh, he could just be speaking figuratively um, to say um, the lowest of the low that you're going to burn where it's the hottest flames of all that's where you're going to end up you're not going to end up in some clouds you're going to end up down in some flames Um, but then it talks about a physical burning as far as setting the mountains on fire so that again sounds like climate change to me and if that's the case that's what's happening verse 23 I will heap disasters on them I will spend my arrows on them so that makes me think of the things that happened today with the flat tires and the power outage are they being heaped on me thank God 
they like I said they came back on and the tires are what they are sometimes they blow out um I think God was able to replace them but it the disasters they're facing are actual real disasters um beyond flat tires because flat tires can get changed the disasters they're facing end up with cannibalism so obviously I choose the flat tires over cannibalism any day um, but it sounds like the Lord's going to be making war against them heaping bad things on them for their unfaithfulness verse 24 they shall be wasted with hunger devoured by pestilence and bitter destruction I will also send against them the, the teeth of beasts with the poison of serpents of the dust. So we were just talking about that Nehushtan, the snake on a pole. Sounds like they're in for some more of that. And also pestilences, sicknesses and diseases and starvation, hunger, the cannibalism, We um, those prophecies. And then it turns out if this is prophecy and not um, 2020 hindsight those things did happen to them as we keep reading God willing we get to keep reading through the um, books of the Bible those things did happen to them so that again sounds like either excellent prophecy or someone who lived through those things witnessed those things and then went back and edited them into this book of Deuteronomy since if you notice the book of Deuteronomy a lot of it is review it's not new material it's stuff that's already happened in some of the other books that we've already read about and this seems to be a, a, a reminder book to keep going over it again and again so that the people don't forget verse 25 and one last thing we know that from one of the previous chapters that's exactly what they were ordered to do read the law every seven years and um, write it out um, uh, uh, not sure if we were ordered to write it out i think it, it did say write it out though and um and to be and to read it to the people every seven years so that they don't forget verse 25 the sword shall destroy outside there shall be terror within for the young man and virgin the nursing child with the man of gray hairs so it's saying no one's gonna escape the punishment young or old uh, man or woman virgin or hoe they're all gonna reap it or i should say virgin or slut hoes are working women sluts just give it away so um um there's a difference but from what it's reading they're all gonna be um facing that terror of the uh recompense for being unfaithful verse 26 i will i would have said i will dash them in pieces i'll make the memory of them to cause I'm sorry to cease from among men so um a total wipeout is what is even going through the lord's mind if you're believing this is the lord um to just wipe the people out altogether for their unfaithfulness verse 27 but something prevented the lord from doing it verse 27 had i not feared the wrath of the enemy lest their adversaries should misunderstand lest they should say our hand is high and it is not the Lord who has done all this. So what's kept the Lord, according to the narrative, what's kept the Lord from completely going off on the people and wiping them out is a fear of the people taking it the wrong way and misunderstanding that the evils uh, and that the people are falling into are the nation's doing, hand, man's hand doing, man's 
hands doing um, and not some divine recompense so to keep people from getting it twisted the people got spared to suffer another day verse 28 for they are a nation void of counsel nor is there any understanding in them so uh, they're being called foolish again and again and again um, and even without counsel to go some someone to look to for the understanding for the knowledge um, verse 29 oh that they were wise that they understood this that they would consider their latter end so again this sounds like prophecy now saying that if only the people would wake up and although you know being woke is now uh, a, a cuss word with the so called religious right although they also circulate a hypocritical message saying white men wake up so uh, it's just hypocrites all the way around when it comes to the so-called religious right they it and it's nothing new but here it's saying that the people really got to wake up and um snap out of their stupor and stop being so foolish and uh, verse 29 oh that they were wise that they understand this and that they understood this that they would consider the latter end okay so we read that so that if they only knew what the path they're taking leads to if only they were smart enough to see it or open our eyes to understand it verse 30 how could one chase a thousand or two put ten thousand to flight unless their rock had sold them and the Lord had surrendered them so um that um one to a one thousand ratio is um hearkening back to something that they were told previously that if they're faithful that's what would happen one of them would be able to battle against a thousand but if they were unfaithful it'd be the other way around so it seems that moses if this is moses saying it is letting them know that it's going to be the other way around they're not going to be fierce battle uh, fierce warriors and the battle instead they're going to be turning tail and running for their lives uh, by one the whole nations thousands will flee at one um, uh, terrorizing them and that sort of came true with the um, David and Goliath narrative where one person that Goliath giant as the narrative says was able to terrify the whole nation of people who were around there Verse 31, for their rock is not like our rock, even our enemies themselves being judges. So, um, it, rock is capitalized there um, the second time it's mentioned. So what it's saying there, I believe, is that the, um, the foundation that the people rely on, the Lord, is not the same foundation that other people, other nations rely on, other religions rely on. Um, and that even the um, other religions and even their enemies realize that and I think what, what he's saying there is because the Lord worked those signs to rescue them from enslavement and it became it made um, them famous and made the Lord famous for being able uh, and willing to do it verse 32 for their vine is of the vine of Sodom and of the fields of Gomorrah their grapes are grapes of gall their clusters are bitter so um when it says their wine is of the wine of Solomon land and the fields of Gomorrah 
it has it's what it's saying i believe is talking about the um wickedness that was going on in those cities and most churches will make you think it's because the cities were full of gay people that doesn't even make sense um, but, uh, since the lot and his two daughters were there and the two daughters were married and lot lied when he was confronted and said that they'd not known a man how are they married and have not known a man so it didn't even make sense then and then if they were gay why would lot have offered his two daughters to them what interest would gay men have in um ravishing women it, it didn't make it doesn't make sense at all uh, the way it's been twisted and perverted in a sense to mean something that it doesn't say at all but the Sodom and Gomorrah story is only one small one one part of the Bible it's a major one because most people if you know any stories in the Bible Sodom and Gomorrah is one of them even though people misunderstand and misinterpret and uh, preach it wrongly I, I think intentionally many times because of their own hatred or feelings and perversions uh, the sexual kind uh, in their own hearts that they're not able to deal with in a healthy way so they project it and they fall into self-loathing but it turns out it's all a lie anyway they just don't realize it but it's a lie enough to make them fall into lies and maybe even into that lowest hell we were just reading about um, verse 33 their wine is the poison of serpents and the cruel venom of cobras it's, it sounds to me like what is being said is that what they the drink that most people would sit down to uh, would drink to sit down and enjoy something like wine what they're sitting down to enjoy say like in their synagogue, temple, church mosque, holy place what they're sitting down to enjoy is actually poisonous and toxic. Um, serpent's venom is poisonous and toxic. Um, and that that's what they're enjoying. And serpent, on, um, just as a side note, can be translated from the word seraphim. Um, so there are religions that believe angels gave them their different, um, different um, dogma, their doctrines, their marching orders their scriptures um it, what comes to mind now is, is that um writer who's just recently i think maybe even today attacked um for what he wrote a book he wrote uh, i think it was called the satanic verses or something like that where there's a sect of another religion that believes uh part of the religious doctrine dogma of that religion was actually dictated to them if not all of it uh, from an angel from a seraphim uh, or seraph I guess it would be singular um, so there are some people who believe that so then um, if you believe the angel is the one giving out the scriptures to you not God Almighty not Jesus um, but angels then um, it seems to me that could fall into verse 33 that um, the angel the seraph that's giving you um, some of those orders may actually uh, be the devil be something wicked and not be God at all verse 34 is this not laid up in stone with me sealed up among my treasures so um, the um, 
doctrine, I guess it would be what's laid up with the Lord, sealed up in the treasures. Um, oh no, we'll read it on. Verse 35, what's stored up with God, according to the narrative, is verse 35, vengeance is mine and recompense. Their food shall slip in, their foot shall slip in due time, for the day of their calamity is at hand, and the things to come hasten upon them. So, that's that vengeance is mine. Uh, at least one of the times that it's mentioned in the Bible. Um, which, if you think about that, is also contradictory what we read. Where the people were told to go take vengeance on the Amalekites. And slaughter them, massacre them. Why doesn't the Lord do it if this is the Lord talking and vengeance is the Lord's? Why doesn't the Lord handle that vengeance? Handle that slaughter? Handle that recompense? Um... And why would the Lord also tell the people thou shalt not kill and then tell them to massacre masses of people? Verse 35. Oh, I'm sorry. Did we read that one? Yeah, we did. So what it's saying there, though, is that in due time, people are going to reap what they sow. They're going to get what's coming to them. Verse 36. For the Lord will judge his people and have compassion on his servants when he sees that their power is gone and there's no one remaining bond or free. So it's, it sounds like there, what's going to finally move the Lord to have compassion on the people and help them out when he notices that they're, when he sees that they're powerless and uh, in want of everything. And it's, um, then it's going to fall upon them all that um, the Lord will re repay for the unfaithfulness. Verse 37, he will say, where are their gods? The rock in which they sought refuge. So, again, that rock, talking about foundational rock of, um, if you want to think of it as the dogma or the religious tenets of different religions, of different faiths. Uh, the Lord seems to be saying, well, where is the strength in those other religions? Why aren't they helping you? Why aren't they just delivering you? Um, and since they're, if people are putting, putting them on par with God Almighty. Verse 38. Who ate the fat of their sacrifices and drank the wine of their drink offering? Let them rise and help you and be your refuge. So that sort of tells it right there that the different offerings and from the animals to the booze. Remember they have to also offer wine as um, some of the payment to the religion. It's not the Lord eating those things. It's the religious leaders eating those things getting fat and uh, misleading people as they take them and rob them blind. Verse 39. Now see that I, even I am he, and there is no God besides me. I kill and I make alive, I wound and I heal, nor is there any who can deliver from my hand. So the Lord seems to be saying, uh, the buck stops with the Lord and all the power is there also, that there's no Conf uh, contradicting or fighting against what the Lord would have happened and yet if that's the case then how come other religions have survived thousands of years though they're not as violent as the uh, big three in the Bible um, they are still around um, verse 40 for I raise my hand to heaven and say as I live forever so it sounds like the Lord Almighty is about to swear an oath. 
verse 41 if i wet my glittering sword and my hand takes hold on judgment i will render vengeance to my enemies and repay those who hate me so it sounds like the lord is saying uh, if the lord chooses to go to battle and uh pull out his weapon of war a sword in this case then no one will be able to stand all the enemies would perish of course god so that points to, again to me is uh, but that says again to me is why would the Lord need to send the people out then as armies and massacre people then? Why doesn't the Lord just use that strong sword and strike them down? Verse 42, I will make my arrows drunk with blood and my sword shall devour flesh with the blood of the, of the slain and the captives from the heads of the leaders of the enemy. So um, it sounds like a massacre is set up not only for the uh, congregation if they decide to be unfaithful which we know they're going to but also for their enemies who confront them along the way verse 43 rejoice O Gentiles with his people for he will avenge his the blood of his servants and render vengeance to his adversaries he will provide atonement for his for his land and his people so it seems to be saying that um, the Gentiles, in other words, non-Jewish people, um, should be happy and glad with the Jewish people, with the Israelites, um, for the event, for the revenge being carried out on their behalf, without them having to go to war and do it, even though that's not how the narrative is going to go. Verse 44, so Moses came with Joshua, the son of Nun, and spoke all the words of this song in the hearing of the people. So Moses uh, was an orator, gave his speech, even though we know he had difficulty speaking according to himself, stuttering, at least it's how it, it, seemed, it was described. Um, but the others, apparently, uh, are able to speak, you know, clearly and also receive messages from the Lord. Verse 45, Moses finished speaking all these words to all Israel. So Moses has given his speech to the whole congregation. Verse 46, and he said to them, Set your hearts on all the words which I testify among you today, which you shall command your children to be careful to observe all the words of this law. So the law are those Ten Commandments. Um, the statutes and ordinances are another story altogether. Um, but the um, doorkeeper is letting people know um, find that truth and share that truth. Um, share the reality of God with other peoples. Don't just sit on it. Verse 47 For it is not a futile thing for you because it is your life and by this sword you shall prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to possess so uh, again faithfulness is being promised the reward for faithfulness is being promised land uh, basically a land deal where the people if they're faithful get to move to the promised land and have a home for themselves And if they don't, 
according to chapter 47, they're going to get wiped out, massacred, or, <coughs> excuse me, a, a genocide. Verse uh, 48. Then the Lord spoke to Moses that very same day, saying, so again, the, Mo the Lord talking with Moses and giving him a message. Um, verse 49. Go up this mountain of the Abiram, Mount Nebo, which is in the land of Moab, across from Jericho. View the land of Canaan, which I give to the children of Israel as possession. So one of the people is being told to go see the grand view of things and see how prosperous and successful the Lord has set up the people. But if and when they're unfaithful, they can count on losing those things. Even the um, um, children of Israel, um, who are the ones responsible for the can't, um, for the um, for carrying these things on. Verse fifty, and die. Oh, I'm sorry. I must skip one. Verse forty nine. Go up this mountain of the Abiram, Mount Nebo, which is in the land of Moab, across from Jericho. Excuse me. Across from Jericho, view the land of Canaan, which I give to the children of Israel as possession. So Moses is being commanded to go to a high place, a spot um, that sort of overlooks the area. And to go once he goes up there to notice the promised land. Um, which he's been barred from entering. That's what that little, those last two sentences are about. Um, verse 50. And die on the mountain which you ascend, and be gathered to your people, just as Aaron your brother was, brother died on uh, Mount Hor, and was gathered to his people. So, it sounds like final, um, what do they call it? Um, End of life planning is what Moses seems to be describing. A will that um, he wants his his descendant and his um, brother's descendant, his brother's son, to prosper from the um, the um, I'm sorry to prosper from. Let me see. Um, just for clarity, let's just go back to 50. So Moses was, um, he's been instructed to go and basically die. Go to that mountain and prepare and prepare himself. Go up that mountain and die. Verse 51, because you trespassed against me among the children of Israel at the waters of Meribah, Meribah Kadesh in the wilderness of Zen. Because you did not hallow me in the midst of the children of Israel. So, it's not enough for the Lord that Moses has dealt with persecution and the um, rejection of the people again and again, them wanting to even kill him, or the wilderness years, the desert, being rejected by his Egyptian family that adopted him. All of that uh, apparently doesn't weigh very much 
on the scales according to that verse but because so because of Moses one mistake of being told to get his rod and then speak to a rock um instead of getting his rod and speaking to the rock he got his rod and used it and spoke to the rock and that extra step condemned him and barred him from being able to enter the promised promised land uh cross over the Jordan and help and occupy that part of the world and what it says um uh what was it about this one <clears throat> must have slipped slipped my mind sometimes I was gonna mention about that one oh well oh it's sort of similar to when um maybe that's what I was gonna say when Jesus had his uh, wilderness years that he went um away from the people to prepare for or at least introduce his ministry kind of reminds me of that but uh, absolutely different since you know that's the savior um this is a uh, forefather uh anyway verse 52 yet you shall see the land before you though you shall not go there into the land which i'm giving to the children of israel so that seems pretty cruel tell Moses to go look at the gift he's giving but you're not going to be a part of it it seems very very shady it doesn't seem like a consistent God and or a loving parent that would do something like that but it sounds more like mommy dearest um, but it is how it reads so let's keep reading verse 52 yet you shall see the land before you Though you shall not go there into the land which I swore to give to the children of Israel. So now it's, if you believe it's the, Mo, the Lord, the Lord is talking to Moses, letting him know that that's what's going to happen. The people are going to be plundered and um, ravished in the case of the um, candy. Um, yet you shall. See the land before you, though you shall not go there, into the land which I'm giving to the children of Israel. So Moses is encouraged to go up a mountain and look at the land, how rich and lush it is, where the rest of the people are going. Go up there and look at that, because you're not going to make it there. It seems like a rough and tough lesson. Verse um 33. I'm sorry, that was it. That's chapter 33. So that was the end of this reading. As always, I appreciate you reading along with me and hope it's a blessing for you. If you decide to join me again, I'm hungtgirl.com if you want to see the readings that read out the most to me. Or if you um just want more pictures and videos, they're free um, for the most part. So enjoy. Verse, um, that's the end of this chapter, so that's where we'll end this reading. As always, I appreciate you reading along with me and hope you'll join me again. Stay safe, love your neighbor as yourself, and God bless you. I'll see you next time. I love you. Peace be with you.